unity does not mean conformity. That was my greatest takeaway. Now, we have people across the denominational spectrum of faith, and we were all together worshiping the King of Kings. Again, unity does not mean conformity. And now, what do I mean when I say that? I think the best way that I can help you to understand that is through an illustration. And um, as you guys know, spring is, official start of spring is this week. How many gardeners I got in the room? Any gardeners? Oh, amen. All right. Uh, so spring is the official start. And so if you're a gardener, you've probably been planting some of your garden already in anticipation of the spring coming. And um, I thought it might be a good idea to at least consider going into gardening. Now, listen, I think I've mastered the chicken thing. Okay, I think I've mastered that. I'm not sure if I've mastered gardening yet. I probably have a brown thumb still, but I was doing some research, and you know, I found some really interesting and pretty amazing things about plants and, and about seeds in particular. And uh, as I was doing my research, I realized that um, plants need a lot of different things, and different seeds, different plants require different stuff. And I, I was blown away. I thought you just threw the seeds in the ground, and up they came, and there wasn't much to it, and that's why I got a brown thumb. But, but uh, they need, plants require different amounts of sun. They require different spacing. They require um, different uh, temperatures in some cases. Um, but what I, what I thought was beautiful is that regardless of the seed, regardless of the plant, every plant on God's creation has the same goal. And what is that? Every single seed has the same purpose. And the purpose is this, to grow or germinate, to mature, to bear fruit and ultimately to release its seed so that the plant can repeat the cycle. And I, I was blown away. And regardless of what it looks like, that's the goal of the plant. And so I realized even in the plant world, the unity does not mean conformity applies in the same way. Well, what do I mean? Let me explain to you a little further. Um, that even though these plants want the same thing, how they express that end goal, how they achieve that end goal is very different. And it doesn't make it right, wrong, or indifferent depending on the way the plant does it. Amen? Let me give you a quick example. Uh, take a tomato, for example. Anybody grow tomatoes? Amen. Look at that. There's a whole lot of people. Even if you're not gardeners, you didn't raise your hand, but you're growing tomatoes. Praise God. Take tomatoes, for example. Now, Rosa is always on me about eating my tomatoes. Eat your tomatoes, honey. Get your lycopene. I don't even know what lycopene is, but she always tells me I need it. She tells me all the time, eat your tomatoes, you need your lycopene. Okay, honey. But take a tomato, for example. Um, when I was reading, and depending on the tomato plant, this may vary slightly, so don't beat me up after service. But uh, tomato plants generally need about two and a half feet of space between plants, between the seeds. They require a lot of sunlight. Now, tomato plants are climbers, so they need support as they're growing because their fruit's very heavy, right? And the tomatoes um, require a lot of warm weather, makes the fruit ripe. All of that to give you those juicy tomatoes or those little cherry tomatoes that you love to eat so much. Take, for example, on the other side, take spinach, for example. 
Now spinach, on the other hand, spinach stays low to the ground. Doesn't grow real big. Spinach doesn't really grow in direct sunlight. Actually, direct sunlight, too much direct sunlight would kill the plant. So it prefers almost complete shade, and it prefers cooler temperatures. It really doesn't matter how the plant expresses it. The end goal is the same. Both plants seek to grow, mature, bear fruit, and ultimately release their seed. The end goal is the same. So it matters not how they express or achieve that end goal. The end goal is the same. And I love that when we got together um, earlier this week for this summit, that believers across the denominational spectrum were together in worship and in praise in different ways, expressing that Jesus Christ is Lord and that infanticide and abortion is wrong. Can somebody give me an amen to that? Amen. Amen. And so I love that. I love that we expressed it differently. And again, I was sitting next to some people who just sat there quietly in the seat and didn't say a word during worship, which was amazing. And then someone like me, if they let me, I'd have been dancing all over the building. But it it doesn't matter how we express that end goal, but the end goal is the same. The person sitting there quietly is still worshiping in their way. Praise God and me dancing all over the building is that's okay too. It's not right, wrong, or indifferent. It just is, and it's beautiful. Because our goal was the same. Our goal as believers was to worship the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and to proclaim that abortion is an abomination, that it's wrong. We had a goal. As a group, we had a goal. And we sang in one voice about that goal. But what's our goal? What's our goal as individual believers? And what's our goal as a church today and moving forward? What is it? This isn't a goal that was come up and, and, and created by the survey that we just took, no. This isn't a goal that, that just some great minds just all of a sudden came up with. No, no, that's not it either. This is a goal that was given to us by our Lord Christ Jesus himself. And let me explain to you a little bit about what I mean. We're going to read today uh, some scripture. You guys know I love to just dig into scripture in our time together. And we're going to bring the scripture home and really apply the scripture to our lives today. Can we do that today? Is that okay? All right, y'all not talking to me today. That's all right. Maybe y'all ready to go out and get some sun. That's okay. That's all right. Y'all not talking to me today. (laughs) Um, What's our goal? (laughs) Well, Jesus made this very clear for us in the scriptures. I want to take some time today really quickly to help examine some scripture with you in Matthew 28. We're going to review Matthew 28, and we're going to look at this very quickly because I want to dive into some other scripture as well. So stay with me. I'm going to get you home. We're going to go over the river and through the woods today, but I promise you we're going to get you to grandmom's house, okay? Again, what is our goal? Jesus tells us what our goal is in the Great Commission. Now, only two Gospels account for this 
this event where Jesus gave the disciples the Great Commission. And I want to examine those because I think as you examine Scripture, beloved, you would do yourself a disservice if you are not examining the entirety of Scripture. If you are examining Scripture in one verse and trying to come to your own picture or conclusion. And so that's why I love that we have four Gospels, four testimonies of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ because it gives us this amazing, full, and complete picture of what Jesus did while he was here on earth. So let's look at Matthew We're going to read um, verse 18 through 20, the last few passages in the book, um, in the gospel according to Matthew. And it reads, thank you, Lord, for the reading and revelation of your word. Amen. It reads in Matthew 28, 18, it says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's a whole nother sermon. Here's what I want you to pay attention to. In 19, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's go really quickly again. Let's go to Mark 16. We're going to read one verse Mark 16, verse 15, this house gives us a complete picture of our goal and what Jesus told us our goal was and what to do. Mark 16, 15, it's a short verse. Jesus said, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Amen. Okay, so let's put this together. We got to put this, this picture together when, with regards to our goal and what Jesus called us to do, beloved. Please picture this. Jesus is telling us here that our goal is to go out and make disciples. But how do we do that? I love the first thing that he mentions when you put it all together. Jesus said it from Mark. He says, I want you to go preach the gospel. Now, let me tell you, beloved, we have complicated the gospel in our Western Christianity today. We have completely overcomplicated it. The scripture very clearly, clearly makes it simple. You ready? This is the gospel. Christ crucified, Christ resurrected. Are y'all hearing me? That is the gospel. There is nothing more complicated about the gospel than that. Jesus said, I want you to go out to the world and preach me crucified and preach me resurrected. Are y'all hearing me today? God said, if, or Paul accounts, he says, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, our faith is worthless. Are y'all hearing me? So Jesus says, before you go doing all your programs, before you go doing all your ministries, he said it's simple. Preach Christ crucified and Christ resurrected. Are y'all hearing me today? Amen. He said, once you've done that, let my seed, my word do its work. And what you're going to find out is people will receive. Now we're going to get into the people receiving and hearing the word in a moment. But Jesus says, after they have received the word, we got some more work to do. It's not over. He says, now I want you to go out and baptize my people in water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Beloved, Christianity is not a spectator sport. So if you are sitting there and you're only coming to church on Sunday, we are not fulfilling our goal and our mission. Are y'all hearing me today? Amen. 
Jesus says, go out and baptize them. But after they're baptized, which praise God, we're going to be baptizing some people into the family next week. He says, after they're baptized, your work still isn't finished. There is another thing that has to be done. And this is some that, something that will be done for the rest of their days. He said to teach them. Teach them all that I have commanded. Now, how many of y'all know in here that sometimes we need to get the lesson a couple times? Okay, y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, I've had to learn some lessons a few times because I didn't get it the first time. But Jesus says, I want you to go out and teach them. So he says, I want to wrap it up real in, in a nice bow for you guys. Jesus says, I want you to go preach, make disciples by preaching Christ crucified and Christ resurrected. I want you to baptize them and I want you to teach them. That is our goal, beloved. Oh, put aside all the programs and all that stuff. That's cool. That's good. That, that comes at the end, right? That's the teaching part. But if we don't do those other couple things first, the teaching never happens. The life groups don't happen, okay? The ministry, the, 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 the prime time doesn't happen. We have to go out and preach Christ crucified and Christ resurrected, and then the rest will come. But do you want to know why we don't do it? And I'm not picking on anyone today, but listen, we're living in a church, and I just say this in general, you guys are wonderful, but, but I say this in general, we live in a, in, a, in a society of church where church is just all about attending on Sunday. Come on. I, I believe that if Jesus walked in these doors right now, we'd have to teach him how to do church. We'd have to teach him how to do church the way we do church. And I'm not beating anyone up, beloved, but today is a call to action. The, the, the weather's warming up, and you know when weather warms up, people want to do more things. Well, listen, we got no more excuses about the cold and the rain. It is still a little cold outside, but it's warming up. And I pray that your hearts are warming up to do what God has called us to do. But we don't do it for a very couple, a, a few simple reasons. One, we don't want to be rejected. Two, we don't want to feel like we're wasting our time. And it happens. So many of us um, are afraid to share the word because we are afraid of how people will receive it. We're afraid that people might challenge us. We're afraid we might not know the answers and we'll just get rejected. And so we don't speak the power of truth into their lives. And then some of us would just say, well, you know what? I'm going to invest. But then they're just not going to do it. So why bother? You know what's funny? Is Jesus told us about this. This isn't anything new. This isn't a surprise, beloved. If you just open up the scriptures, God will show you all of these questions that you will have and why you may or may not be doing this. And I want to spend the rest of our time today examining the parable of the sower. So while you're in Matthew, why don't you go ahead and turn to Matthew 13 for me? I'm going to talk to you a little bit from this scripture, and um, it's going to be with a twist today. We're going to examine this from an interesting uh, vantage point today. Let's remember what I told you earlier um, about the seed, that the seed has a purpose, and its purpose is multifaceted, but ultimately its purpose is to, remember, to germinate, to grow, 
to mature, to bear fruit, and release its seed. Now here, Jesus gives us this great example of a seed. And he goes on later in the scripture to remind us and to reaffirm for us that the seed is the living word of God. Now in Matthew 13, we see the same thing. We see examples of the same seed. Y'all got to follow this. It's the same seed. We see four distinct examples of the same seed and how it reacts in different soil. You see, again, we're not sharing Christ crucified and Christ resurrected because we're afraid of how the soil will react to the message of the seed that we're trying to deliver. We can't, we, we can't behave that way, beloved. And Christ shows us this in an encouraging way in this scripture. So let's examine the scripture. So what I want to do is, if you've read this passage before, you'll notice in the early passages of Matthew 13, Jesus gives the parable. And then starting in verse 18, he actually explains the parable. It's one of very few instances where you actually see Jesus going into detail to explain in length this amazing revelation. So thank you, Jesus, for giving us this revelation. So we're going to bounce back and forth between the uh, first few passages and Mark, and we're going to go starting in verse 18 to examine the each, each of the different examples of the seed. Are y'all ready? All right. Y'all still sleeping. All right. I'm going to get y'all up. All right. Here we go. All right. So let's start in Matthew 13. I want to read really quickly, starting in verse 3. We're going to read 3 to verse 5, and then we're going to flip to the other side, and we're going to explain this a little bit. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 3, it says, And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, to plant seeds, and he sowed. Some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came away and ate them. Stop right there. Keep your finger right there. Let's flip over, uh, starting in verse 18. Jesus explains this, and then we'll, we're going to dig into this scripture a little bit. Jesus says here in verse 18, he says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word, remember the seed is the word of God. He says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. What has been sown in his heart. See, beloved, the soil is the soil of our heart. And so many times we refuse to preach Christ crucified and Christ resurrected because of the hardness of someone's heart. Now, in this scenario, in this example, Christ is saying here, when we really dig into the scripture, we see that this soil, it says, by the path or the road, the ground. Anyone who knows a, a, a dirt path, it's what? It's hard. It's compact. It's void of life. There's no vegetation on the path. Why? Because we've worn it down. And anytime a seed or even water pours on that, that ground, it just washes away. And so in this example, the seed is, the, the, the ground cannot receive the seed because the ground of the individual's heart. Mind you, we're talking about a person. We're talking about people. Jesus says that there will be a group of people here who will, whose hearts will be so hardened, it will be void of life. And there's no place for the seed to go. But yet we get discouraged when we're ministering to someone for years and years and years and they just don't get it. 
And listen, I'm not saying that God can't work it out because God can break any hard and uh, heart. He can break through it. But we get discouraged. But Jesus says it's not that they're incapable of receiving it. They simply don't want it through unbelief. They're not willing to receive it because they're letting the unbelief of the world, they're letting these theories of evolution and the spaghetti monster and all these other stuff to take them away from the realness and truth of God and the enemy just plucks away the seed. But people through unbelief, we see this happen day in and day out in our daily walk, right? But we get frustrated and we say, man, the whole world must be this way. Why bother? But let's go on because it gets better. It does get better, but Jesus wanted to start with that one first. So let's examine, go back to the beginning chapters of 13. We're going to flip back and forth. We're going to read in verse 5 of 13. It says, now others fell on the rocky place where they did not have much soil and immediately sprang up because they had no depth of soil. He says, but then the sun had risen They were scorched because they had no root. They withered away. Let's go to to the latter scriptures that we were just reading from, starting in verse uh, 19, or rather 20. Okay, Jesus explains this, and we're going to get into it. He says, the one whose seed, or rather the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky place, is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Watch this. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but it's only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, you should circle that if you write in the Bible, persecution arising because of the word, circle that, the person immediately falls away. Now, I want to I put a thumbtack in this one because wh- who is he talking about? He's speaking about people in the church. He says they received the word. See, examples two and three, Jesus is talking about believers. He's talking about the church. Now, maybe that's controversial and y'all don't want to hear that. I don't know, but this is what Jesus is saying. Now, watch how interesting this goes. Rocky soil. Anybody ever try to garden in rocky soil? It doesn't really work, right? You could plant something in between some rocks, but what's going to happen? You see, when a seed germinates, if it's not deep enough, the seed believe it or not, beloved, contains a tremendous amount of energy within the seed itself. The seed needs no outside stimulus except for the right environment for it to grow on its own power and energy. And so when you plant it shallow in rocky soil, it's going to come up quickly. Many of you have seen believers that receive, hallelujah, they receive joy of the Holy Spirit right away in their lives. And it's instantaneous and they're on fire and everything happens. And then an offense happens in the church. And it will. It does. And they're gone. And it's not just about an offense in the church. The Bible goes even further. It says that the word itself is offensive. If you don't believe me, check out Galatians 5.11. Paul says, if I'm preaching uh, uh, circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? Paul is saying I'm being persecuted because the, the, the word of God, grace by faith, is offensive. See, there are Christians in here who will call themselves Christians, and the minute you tell them, hold on, you can't have sex before marriage. 
hold on, you, you can't live this way. Wait a minute, you got to forgive your enemies. Hold on, Christ told us to do this. It's offensive, and they don't want to hear it. They're gone. They're going to receive persecution because now they want to stand up, and they want to be bold for Christ, but their family says, get out of here with that nonsense. If you want to be with Christ, you can't be with me. And they flee. Because the temperature and the weather in their life scorched them and they didn't have enough depth of roots to reach down and grab the life-giving nutrients of the soil that is Christ. Not enough water, not enough nutrients. The sun came down, burning down on them, and they just didn't make it. Number three. Let's go back to the beginning. I told you we were going to go back and forth. Bear with me here. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's read really quickly in verse 6, or rather in, uh, in verse 7. Here's the, here's the third seed. Again, Jesus is now still talking about believers. This is those in the church. It says, others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked him out. Let's turn back. Let's read really quickly here. Verse 20, 22 rather. It says, and the one, the person, the one whom seed was sown among the thorns is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choked out the word and it becomes unfruitful. Okay, so now this is a different picture. See, now the plant's actually growing. The, the soil has what it needs. Otherwise, the plant would never have grown. But it's still missing something. Remember I told you guys earlier, the plant's goal is to do what? The plant's goal is to germinate, to grow, mature, and bear fruit, and ultimately release its seed to repeat the cycle. Here in this scenario, Jesus says, wait, they're going to grow, right? They're, they're going to get big. They'll never mature. They'll never bear fruit. Why? Jesus makes it clear. He says, the worries of the world choke you out. My bills are too big, too big, too much for God. My family problems are too big for God. My career and its failures or lack thereof or my lack of success is too big for God. You fill in the blank. My health is too big for God. You fill in the blank. At the end of the day, you let the worries of the world choke out the seed that God has given you. But he says, maybe that's not you. Maybe it's the deceitfulness of riches. God is not talking about money. I hear people all the time, God, see, God, see, you can't have money. It's not what God says. The deceitfulness of riches is talking about the, the, the superficial pleasures that you want over God. Your superficial pleasures and delight and enjoyment that overshadows God. I want to watch TV more than I want to read my scriptures. I want to go out and do this more than I want to worship God. All of those things choke out the word of God. Now, anybody who's lived in a wooded area, anybody ever here live in the woods or near the woods, right? You, you guys know we have, we have some property down south, and most of my property is wooded. And we got thorn bushes everywhere. Ask me if there's anything living amongst the thorns. I'm, just, I'm being honest with you. There might be a plant that might sprout up in the spring amongst the thorns, but it's dead very quickly. I'm just being completely honest with you. Nothing can grow amongst the thorns. And you know what happens is 
Even if your seed is planted amongst the thorns, it's up to you to out uproot those thorns and those weeds out of your life. There are people who consciously choose to leave the weeds of their life right there and then they wonder why I'm not growing spiritually. And you want to blame the church, you want to blame the elders, you want to blame the teachers and you never look at your own garden. You never look to see what have I left in my garden and why am I not bearing fruit? Because remember, Jesus says, oh, you're going to grow. You'll grow, but you won't bear fruit. If you're not bearing fruit, John accounts this. John says, if you're not bearing fruit, you're gonna, your, your branch is going to be cut off and it's going to be thrown in the fire. Y'all remember that scripture? Hold on. Who's he talking about? Believers. If you don't bear fruit, you might as well be an unbeliever. Hold on. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. That might have hurt somebody's feelings. I'm going to give you the truth of the word. The scripture says it clearly. Don't bear fruit. You're a dead branch. And you will be pruned away. Those of you who plant tomatoes, you know you got to prune that tomato plant, don't you? You got to cut off those branches from that tomato plant that aren't bearing fruit, don't you? Why do you do that? So that the rest of the plant may flourish and may bear fruit. <laughs> Amen. Oh, come on now. If you are a Christian and you are not bearing fruit, beware. I'm not casting judgment on you. I'm just telling you what the word of God says. Beware. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Jesus is telling you it is your job as a believer to grow, mature, to bear fruit and release your seed. Okay. All right, somebody's paying attention. I'm glad I got some of y'all awake. Amen. All right. The last thing Jesus tells us, he gives us this picture now of the, the last seed in good soil. Now, in case y'all haven't noticed, this is four examples. And I know this isn't an exact science in terms of numbers. But Jesus is like, listen, one out of every four people you talk to is going to miss it. But yet you're discouraged when people don't receive the word. Jesus says one out of four. It's not an exact science. I know your numbers may be more or less, whatever the case. It's irrelevant. But Jesus says, look, most people, they won't get it. And if they do, they're going to lose it. And it's not because something's wrong with the seed. There's nothing wrong with the seed. The seed is perfect. The seed has everything it needs in its of itself. But what it needs is the right environment to flourish. Now watch this. In these latter verses that we're going to examine today, go back to the beginning. We're going to read from verse 8 in chapter 13. And it says, now hold on, here's the last one. It says, the others, the others fell on good soil and yielded a crop some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who hears, let him hear. All right, let's go and examine this. Let's see what Jesus says to explain the rest of this. Verse 23. The one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man, listen, who hears the word and understands it. Let's put a thumbtack right there. Jesus says understand it. it is, there is an implication of understanding, the meaning it's participatory. If you're understanding, that means that you're involved in receiving it. You're digging into the word. You're studying it. You have a hunger and a passion. He says not only did you hear it, but you understood it. 
There was a participatory uh, involvement there in this scripture. He says, who indeed bears fruit. So hearing the word, understanding the word will indeed bear fruit and bring, bring forth some hundred, some 60, some 30 fold. In case you don't understand ancient agricultural language, let me help you understand this scripture. In those times, if you got a seven fold return on your crop, that was out of this world. Okay. That was completely out of this world. If, if you got that kind of return on your crop. Jesus is saying that some of you will bear a hundredfold, and that's okay. That's great. That's above and beyond, exceedingly more than you would expect. Some of you, you'll bear 60-fold, and that's great too, because 60 is great for any farmer. But even 30, 30 was good too. 30 was average. That was average, and that was still respectable. What is he saying? Remember I said to you earlier that seeds will manifest, will express their goal very differently well that's us as believers because see us as believers we are going to express the end goal of worshiping our lord preaching christ crucified and christ resurrected and we will do that very differently and the the fold of your seed will be different than mine and the fold of your seed will be different than mine and yours and yours and yours. The reason we have a problem in church today is because we all want to be a hundredfold. We all want to be 70 fold. But if you're only 30 fold, if you're only getting that type of return, that's great. Stop trying to be someone you're not. Stop trying to be a seed that you are not. And be who God has called you to be so that we together collectively and individually can answer the call of God that we can complete our mission while we were here on earth. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. I want to finish today uh, with a brief story. We're going to kind of button this up, um, but I want to finish with a brief story. I was doing a little reading, a little research. I'm always reading it gets on Rose's nerves because I always got these Snapple fun facts. <laughs> it's like every time she has a question, I got a Snapple fun fact for her. So um, I read about, has anybody ever seen the, that funny movie with Paulie Shore called Biodome? That dates me a little bit. Okay, some of you have seen it. Okay. All right. So that was actually based on actual um, a research that was done. Uh, scientists conducted research, um, and the experiment was called Biosphere. And they did it twice. And in the second experiment, it was literally a sphere. It was a dome where the environment on the inside was completely isolated from the outside world. Completely. And they were doing that for various reasons and experiment. You know what? The, the most interesting thing that came from that um, research was not some cure to some disease. or was not some major... Um, um, you know, calculation of the universe or anything. You know, you know what they found from that experiment? This was honestly one of the most interesting things that came out of this research is the plants, in particular the trees that grew to maturity in the biodome, once they made, hit maturity, they actually collapsed on their own, from their own weight. They were fully grown trees in this sphere and they collapsed from the, from the weight of their own limbs. And so the researchers dug into this and wanted to find out why. And it was amazing what they found. They realized 
that there was never any stress introduced to the plants and that stress made for a healthy and stronger tree. See, what I love about this is as we connect this message and we begin to close today, what I loved about it is, is that Jesus gives us this example of good soil and seed being planted in the good soil. And Jesus says that in that good soil, it's going to grow. It's going to multiply. It's going to increase. You're going to bear fruit. But what Jesus didn't say And the same thing applies. Remember the previous seed? It was exposed to the sun, exposed to the heat, exposed to the elements. The same thing applied to that fourth seed. The difference is it was strong enough to endure because the stress made it stronger. See, so many times as Christians, and this is why, as we close, this is why we don't preach Christ crucified and Christ resurrected. Because we think that if all this stress is upon us, God can't perfectly, how can I preach this message if I'm going through all of this stuff? How can I go to someone and tell them how good God is when my bills ain't paid, when my marriage is a wreck, when all of this, people want to lose their faith because of stress, and it's stress that makes you stronger. Come on. It was the stress that was not introduced to those trees that made those trees in the biosphere weak. And they found that those trees didn't have stress rings. Anybody, anybody work out here? Y'all can tell I work out, right? I don't. I don't. Anybody? <laughs> I really don't. Anybody work out here? Any, any, I mean, you don't got to be all buff or nothing, but anyway, okay, so I got a few people that work out. When you work out, what's happening to your muscles? Your muscles are tearing. And in healing, right, because you're introducing stress and your muscle fibers are tearing and they are rebuilding and therefore making you stronger. That's exactly what's happening to the plants out in the world. They're experiencing the stress of the environments of life and their fibers are tearing and they're becoming stronger. Don't be afraid of the tear, beloved. Don't negate preaching Christ crucified and Christ resurrected because you're afraid of the tear. Come on, are y'all hearing me today? We are afraid as believers of the tear. And I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to welcome it. And it's not fun. Listen, I've been through stuff. My life is not void of trouble. I have been through stuff. We have been torn. We will be torn, I'm sure, in life as life goes on and we've experienced it. Don't be afraid of the tear. Let God work. He will make you stronger. The Bible tells us, beloved, and we're going to close here in just a second. The Bible tells us that God is working out all things for our good and his glory. Amen. Listen, sometimes I let my kids go through some stuff. And I don't save them because I know it's for their good. And it is for God's glory. Don't be afraid of the tear. Don't be afraid when someone's worship, when someone's ministry looks different than yours. Don't let that tear the church apart. We should welcome it. We should welcome differences. We should welcome, I consider us an interdenominational church. I know I got some I know I got some Catholics in the room. I got some old Presbyterians, maybe some Methodists in the room. And you know what? We left behind all of those denominational differences and we just come together in one voice to preach Christ crucified and Christ resurrected. Amen. Can we give God some hand clap of praise right now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you.
Uh, I just want to really quick um, just close with a prayer. Again, as, um, as we kind of just condition our hearts, I, I just want to thank God for allowing me to just share this word with you. Again, this has just been percolating in my heart uh, for several weeks now, but I am just so grateful that I had an opportunity to release the seed that God gave me in my heart uh, and hopefully impart that seed upon you. And if you're here today and maybe you don't know Christ, we want to offer you an opportunity to receive him. If that's you today, um, I want you to come up. We're going to have some people up front here uh, shortly um, who will be happy to pray with you, to be happy to lead you to Christ. If you don't know him, let these wonderful people share with you Christ crucified and Christ resurrected. Because it's only he, the Lord, who can restore you and bring you back into Bedah the Father's house.